Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Hope you had a great weekend, my friends. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can watch the show on our website, on currently on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter as well. Todd Huff Show being the account name on all those platforms and always you can download the podcast for free on apple podcasts or anywhere else that you might get your podcast and i again welcome you to the show today okay so we have the realities i guess of what we have elected are setting in <laughs> in uh, this well, reality. Reality, I guess, is is setting in. We've got an absolute unmitigated disaster on the border, which Trump is being blamed for. We have a president who will not take questions from the media, and Joseph R. Biden. In fact, he has um, he he has taken longer to take questions from the media than any president in the past 100 years, my friends, the past 100 years. I guess you could say Biden is a one in a 100-year president, but not in a good way. It's like when there's a flood and they say it's a 100-year flood. We currently have a 100-year presidency, one in a 100-year sort of presidency here happening before our very eyes. We've got apprehensions on the border hitting a 15-year high. We've got Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that tax increases are coming, so buckle up for surprisingly. It turns out, it turns out you cannot have an endless uh, supply of giveaways and so forth and, and expenses and not, uh, not ever cover the cost of that. And of course, I mean, we've got, we've got the store of uh, the state of Oregon considering Reparations payments of $123,000. I don't know why they picked that number, but that's that's where we are. But we, it is, I mean, we've got Nancy Pelosi trying to steal an election. Have you followed this at all? I'll start with this. Nancy Pelosi, she is going to begin a process whereby the House of Representatives is going to look at whether or not it overturns an election, a duly held election in the state of Iowa. The Republican candidate won that race by six votes, six, one less than George Costanza's seven. But the candidate was elected in uh, in Iowa, was a Republican. There was a, a count. There was a recount. The state certified the election. So all I can conclude here is that Nancy Pelosi is trying to stage a coup and to overthrow our democracy. That's how this works, right? 
I mean, if you mention the words election integrity, if you mention the phrase uh, voter fraud, if you want to mention your concerns about some of the things that you saw during the 2020 presidential returns, if you have concerns about the thousands of affidavits alleging all sorts of wrongdoing and corruption in different states, you will be censored, you will be silenced, you will be threatened, you will be called an insurrectionist, you will be uh, basically thrown into the same category, you will be considered as, as just as one of those idiots who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. They will say that you are part of that insurrection, that you are trying to stage a coup and to overthrow democracy as we know it in the United States of America. You need to be imprisoned. You're a treasonist. I've seen <laughs> I've seen comments like this from idiots on social media, idiots elsewhere as well. But Nancy Pelosi is quite literally trying to overthrow an election here. She's at war with our democracy. This, of course, is not how they talk about it in the media when it happens with Democrats. In fact, she was being interviewed this weekend by George Stephanopoulos. I didn't hear him mention one thing about that. I don't think he, he threatened her or said that she was a threat to our free society. Actually, I know he didn't. He didn't say what you're doing is dangerous. He had a conversation about what her plans were and how she was going to basically carry out this this process. And But she's trying to steal an election. But that's okay if you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, it's okay. If you're a Republican, on the other hand, and you mention any concern whatsoever about anything that you saw in November – you are, again, a traitor, an insurrectionist, a treasonist. This is Nancy Pelosi having an exchange here, ABC This Week, yesterday with George Stephanopoulos. Let me cue that bad boy up. Give me a second here. It is queuing up now, and here we go. Ring around Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. The GOP Congressman Marjorie Miller Weeks won a razor-close election, six votes. The votes were counted, recounted, certified by the state. But the House Administration Committee began a process this week that could lead to unseating the Congresswoman. Okay. That has Republicans accusing you of hypocrisy, including Jim Jordan. He put out this tweet. Speaker Pelosi says she's open to unseating Republican Congresswoman Miller Meeks. Translation, you're only allowed to object to an election if you're a Democrat. Why investigate an election that was certified by the state? Well, it was six votes. It was six votes. And the, our candidate, Rita Hart, uh, the Democratic candidate, asked for this process to begin. What the committee did, the House Administration Committee, uh, was very narrow to take the process to the next step and see where it goes from there. It's an election of six votes out of 400,000 votes cast. This is not unique. This has happened maybe even when you were uh, in the Capitol uh, before uh, when races had been closed, one side or the other saying, let's, let's take it to the House. Because even Justice Scalia agreed that the House has the authority to seat members and therefore we can count the votes. Six votes out of 400,000. Yeah, six votes out of 400,000. I cut off there. 
So there you go. Six. If there's six votes out of four hundred thousand, Nancy Pelosi says that you can steal an election. I mean, that's. I, look, I'm just telling you how this would re- be reported if this was on the other side, right? In fact, it has been reported like this. It has been reported like this on a consistent basis since November. If you ask a question about election results, if you raise concerns about pristine ballots or people who said it looks like ballots were filled out uniformly, ballots that came in through questionable measures, ballots they didn't see earlier, you're not allowed. You're not even allowed to mention that. In fact, by my mentioning that, that very thing, it's very possible that YouTube will take me down. I'm simply, I'm not saying it happened definitively. I'm saying people signed affidavits making these allegations. Now, they could be lying, and folks, if they're lying and they sign an affidavit, then there should be consequences for that. You can't go around lying to the courts, but they may be telling the truth. There's a novel concept, just like Cuomo's accusers. They might might be telling the, the truth, right? They may not be. I don't know. I mean, look, there's there's instances where things have been... Um, I don't know, but where, where there's been examples of people that have lied about allegations and there's examples where the allegations are absolutely true. It turns out that context matters and the specific charges levied at a particular point in time against whether an individual or um, our system of you know, our voting system and the people making decisions there, those details turn out to matter. So, but you're not allowed to even raise those concerns or questions. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to talk about your concern of legislator, or excuse me, of governors and secretaries of state or whomever else that arbitrarily change election rules because of COVID, right? There's not, you're not allowed to do that because they got the result that they wanted. Now, Nancy Pelosi just says, hey, there's six votes. I mean, heck, they can come up with six votes. That's no, that's no problem at all. Is there any doubt in your mind if they begin to look at this that the Democrat is going to win? Is there any doubt in your mind that this election will be taken and stolen from the Republican? Is there any doubt in your mind that that is going to, to be the case? They need as many votes as they possibly can. I mean, there are. I'm telling you, there are debates within Democrat caucus, the Democrat caucus in the House, Senate, and together, where they are literally having these discussions that say, look, we have one chance at this. We have one chance. We are on the verge. We've got H.R. 1 out there that would basically make it impossible uh, for Republicans to ever engage in fair elections again. We can become a permanent majority. We've got our wish list that is growing by the second. We've got all these utopian promises. We've got a border crisis where we can basically make as many people as we want uh, to be American citizens. Illegal immigrants can become American citizens in the blink of an eye if we get if we just all get on this this same side and push the same direction. If we get rid of the filibuster, Joe Manchin, and they'll insert, uh, assert some pressure on Joe Manchin there. But they see the they see the finish line here. They see the finish line. If they gotta steal elections in Iowa They've got to, you know, make the 
allow these facilities along the southern border to be over capacity by 700 i think i saw 743% over capacity can you imagine the photo shoot aoc would have done if trump's facilities were 743% above capacity not only would she say children are being crammed put in cages they'll be crammed in cages stories are saying that children are that had been detained along the southern border are taking turns laying down on the floor and sleeping because there's not enough room in the facility. They're hungry. All sorts of things happening. And this Nancy Pelosi says in the same interview with George Stephanopoulos is, of course, Trump's fault. It is Trump's fault. Everything is Trump's fault. Just as everything was George W. Bush's fault the entire term of President Barack Obama, or if you prefer, the first term of the obiden Obama administration. Chaos ensues when we elect Democrats to run this country. And I know that listening to my voice right now, there are a lot of rank and file Democrats that are not responsible for this. You might have voted Democrat because you couldn't bring yourself to vote for Trump, but you don't agree with this radical stuff. Let me invite you. And I'm look, I'm saying this is one that does not truly consider myself a Republican. I'm a conservative. But I find that if you're looking for conservative principles and values and ideas, at least some of them, if you want to find any of them, you won't find, you'll find virtually zero of those in the Democrat Party. You'll find some in the Republican Party. You'll find a, a decent amount at least written out in their uh, platform and, and you know their stated plans. But when you look at their actions, when you look at their uh, their resolve to see these policies implemented, that's where they they kind of get uh, wimpy, right? So, anyway, I invite you just to reconsider that the Democrat Party is not is not the Democrat Party of the '60s, '70s, '80s. This is a radical radical group of people now it's being run by radicals there's some a couple that are preventing the complete takeover from the radicals like joe manchin but when you think that he's really one of the last obstacles or barriers to that taking place it should terrify all all americans open open borders higher taxes reparations um hr1 Money, you know, coming from the government to all sorts of people forever to provide universal basic income, all these things. All these things are on the docket, on the agenda of the radical left. So timeout is in order here. I'm going to take a quick timeout. When I get back, I want to talk, continue to play. A, there's another clip of Nancy Pelosi talking to George Stephanopoulos, blaming Trump for the crisis on the border. So. Quick time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, this program is brought to you in part by just in part by I Sell Health. You can get a pro-life health plan that can help you save up to 60%. You can go to any doctor, any hospital, anytime. If you're interested, you're looking at health policies, 
and you're interested in their pro-life plan in particular, give Eric a call. Give Eric a call, 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or you can visit iSellHealth, iSellHealth.com. All right, we're talking here about the border. We're talking here about just the mess that Democrats have already ushered in. We've already talked about this a little bit in the past couple of weeks, but it is an it is astonishing, it's astonishing that it can get this bad this quickly. I mean, in one sense, it's not because it turns out that on this planet, in this universe, that there's a thing called cause and effect, right? So if you do a certain action, if I take a certain action, there are repercussions of that action. Sometimes the consequences or the results are there's some positive things. Sometimes there's some negative things. It turns out, surprisingly, this is shocking. I know to the Democrats and the media and the radical left, this is a shocking thing. But it turns out if you if you have a president in office, if you have a political party in office that has refused to secure the border, if you have a political party in office that has continually done things like establish sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, if you have a political party and a president in power in office, they have the control of what gets done in this great nation at the federal level. If you have people there who want to give uh, economic stimulus packages or ec- economic stimulus funds to Um, illegal immigrants, it turns out that people who want to enter into this country by any means possible or necessary, they are encouraged to come here because, well, the same people talk also about pathway to citizenship and all those sorts of things. And people think, hey, I want to get there. I want to get into this country prior to there um, actually creating a pathway to citizenship. You know that we did this, by the way, in the 1980s with President Reagan. Reagan had a deal with the Congress at the time, run by the left, that there would be a form of of amnesty, and in exchange, they would secure the border. Problem was, amnesty was granted, but no border security until President Trump came along and made that really, you could say, the central theme of his campaign or one of the central themes of his campaign was to secure the southern border and massive improvements have been made in fact we've seen numbers nothing like what we see right now um the numbers were you know there was a spike in 2019 but actions were taken that actually improved the situation along the southern border people were not able you know, to take advantage of things like catch and release. Catch and release, folks, is an absolutely atrocious situation. Basically what happens is if someone is detained along the southern border for illegally being in our country, they if, if they're detained, they're given a court date but then released, released into, the, you know, into this country. And the vast, vast, I think it's in the 90% something like that, Uh, 
90 plus percent never returned to court for their date. Surprisingly, that may be a shocker to the radical left as well. well we, we gave, we've given these folks a date to come to court. They haven't come. Can't, can't believe that. Well, that's what happens when, look, and I understand, I've said before, and I'm not making excuses for breaking our laws, but I understand why someone would want to come here. As a conservative who loves this country, you understand why people would want to come here. This is the greatest nation on planet Earth, on the face of this planet. And it's not because of our DNA. It's not because of who we are necessarily. I mean, in in the sense that, uh, I mean, those things matter. People have to be willing to, to fight for these principles. In that context, it does matter who's, you know, fighting back and demanding that America remains free. I pause there because it's not the same America um, it was even a handful of years ago. A lot of people don't believe in free speech and the freedom of expression and the freedom of assembly any longer because of whatever reason or rationale they've been given by the media, by the government, at least the talking heads and the bureaucracy or the radical left. But anyway, this nation is great because of ideas. And these ideas, these ideas can be applied anywhere that they're that they're tried. It's, it's it's difficult to start from where some of these countries are starting. There's no doubt about it. But we have difficulties in front of us too. We have a government that is corrupt beyond, I think, uh, our wildest imagination. Right? I think we've learned that over the course of the Trump presidency, just how awful and corrupt and swampy our government is but that being said i understand why people want to come to this country the opportunities available the prosperity available the freedom and liberty available it's constantly being under assault but it's still available but that does not allow anyone to break our laws we the american people through our representatives determine what we, you know, who we allow to come in and out of this country. That is just the way that that it is. We are a sovereign nation and we can we can control that. The Democrats don't want to control that. In fact, the Democrat party leaders view uh, view this mess as a form of vo- of a terrible form of a voter drive. As terrible and as sickening as that is for me to have to say, I'm telling you right now that is how these folks in positions of power look at this. And so we have a crisis on the border. We've got apprehensions at a 15-year high. We've got FEMA being invited to, to help DHS try to provide facilities and housing for people detained along the southern border. We have the re-emergence of catch and release. We've got some of the uh, just ridiculous things we hear coming out of Washington, D.C. and so forth. We've got the ignoring of children in cages because that doesn't fit their political narrative. But we, yet we have a mess on the border. Humanitarian crisis, a mess with just our, our immigration system. And, of course, this will serve eventually as a jumping-off point to talk about uh, citizenship, citizenship for the people who have come into this country illegally and democrats look at this they look at all groups of people 
as a group, not as individuals. And they say, we believe that these folks are going to vote for us in, say, two to one ratios and probably even greater if we um, if we can help them out and give them citizenship or whatever. And so that's that becomes the motivating factor for them in this. It's always politics. It always is. And it's it's not going to stop. Political power is their insatiable drive and desire. Nancy Pelosi and the rest, and I'll play that clip of Nancy Pelosi talking to George Stephanopoulos after the break. I want to I want to prepare you though. You're gonna have to. Uh, I, I just need to apologize because it's a painful clip to listen to. In fact, I played it with with Oz here before this this segment, and you could tell that she had had enough of it. Uh, by the end of the the soundbite itself. But anyway, we'll play that on the other side of the break. A quick timeout is in order. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. I'm going to apologize to you up front here because I'm about to subject you to something that is not going to be pleasant. You're going to have to listen. You're going to have to listen to Nancy Pelosi explain here. Well, she she drops in a lot of talking points. The first thing she does is she blames Trump for the crisis at the southern border. Oz was asking me during the break, why? Why is it Trump's fault? And I said, look, you've already put more thought into it than any of these any of these leftists uh, can, right? I mean, this is or have, I should say. She is simply um, <laughs> oversimplifying things. I mean, it's it doesn't matter. You don't have to. You don't have to have any criteria. You don't have to have any explanation. All you have to say is it's Trump's fault. That's all you have to say. It's Donald J. Trump's fault. And to the left and the media, they say, well, yeah, why is it Trump's fault? I don't know. I mean, don't ask me that. It's just, it just has to be Trump's fault. Trump was evil. I mean, heck, maybe by building the border wall, he's made it harder on people to enter our country illegally. So I guess that's his fault as well. I mean, I don't I don't know logically what you at some point expect to hear from these folks because they are illogical. They are political opportunists. They are not interested in truth and reality and anything of the sort. They're interested in furthering their cause. So this is Nancy Pelosi again with George Stephanopoulos talking about how it's President Trump. I'm playing George Stephanopoulos's uh, question too because I want you to hear Nancy Pelosi. She's telling you this lady is really on. You know, we we know Biden's on the verge of not being able to publicly communicate. Pelosi's not too terribly far behind that either. But here we go, Nancy Pelosi talking with George Stephanopoulos about how this is President Trump's former President Trump's fault. Let's talk about the situation at the border. We've seen a huge surge in migrants crossing the border since January. The number of children in custody higher than it was than its 2019 peak during the Trump administration. Your colleague, Verona Cascobar of Texas, called the conditions there unacceptable. She was there on Friday. Is she right? What more must be done? 
Uh, well, I'm sorry, I didn't hear who you said. Mm-hmm. Veronica Escobar. Congresswoman oh, Veronica oh, yes. Escobar, Democrat. Uh, mm-hmm. From representing uh, uh, El Paso. And yes, it is. The, actually, the facts are these. There are more children, uh, about six, 700 more children, unaccompanied children, coming o- over the border. Uh, the, uh, this is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, what the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. I'm so pleased that the president, as a temporary measure, has sent FEMA to the border in order to help uh, facilitate the children going from one uh, 72-hour issue into where they are cared for as they are transferred into family homes or homes that are safe for them to be. Uh, So this, again, is a a transition for what was wrong before Mm -hmm. uh, to what is right. Of course, we have to also look to Central America and Mexico and the rest. The corruption, the violence, uh, all of that so bad. My most recent trip to the Northern Triangle, that would be Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, you saw the impact of the climate change, mind you. These people were leaving because of the drought. They couldn't farm, and they were seeking other ways to survive. Because of Republicans in America. So there are many reasons that go into this, but the fact is we have to deal with it uh, at the border. And many of the people, some of the people coming there are seeking asylum. And uh, I always like to quote our friends in the evangelical movement. Always? At one of our rump hearings we had before we had the majority. I've got some quotes uh, for you. Uh, the representative said to us, the United States refugee resettlement program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism. So we have certain responsibilities that we must honor. We have to have a system uh, that accommodates that. And that is what the Biden administration is in the process of doing. Mm-hmm. Sure they are. So it's Trump's fault. Biden inherited a broken immigration system. I don't know if it's news to Nancy Pelosi or not. But the immigration system, folks, has been broken. It it has been debated and discussed and fought about for decades now. I mean, this goes back into Clinton. I mean, well, it goes back to Reagan, right? We talked earlier about how Reagan negotiated or made a deal with the Democrats in in Congress and the deal was some form of, of amnesty, but we would have to secure the border so that we wouldn't be repeating what happened up until that time where the decision was made that we would have uh, – we would allow people who came here illegally to have some sort of a path to citizenship or just a different different status um, if we could prevent it. Let's just kind of stop where we are. Let's, you know, let's, let's take care of the people that are here put them through whatever, um, you know, series of uh, things that that move them towards a form of amnesty, and then let's just stop it. That was the deal. But see, we never secured the border until Trump was doing it. Literally, what, 30 years later or whatever that was. It was literally totally ignored for 30 years. And so now we have an additional 30 years of illegal immigration that has fed this problem and now Biden acts like he has inherited this from President Donald J. Trump and that's just simply not the case 
the only thing, the only president at the only time in my lifetime that any uh, substantive changes have come to secure the southern border is in the past four years under the leadership of President Donald Trump. This is undeniable. This is completely undeniable. When others are in charge or when Democrat governors and mayors and city councils and so forth or so forth are making uh, you know, decisions or speaking about illegal immigration, they come up with things, like I said before, sanctuary cities or uh, giving benefits to illegal aliens, allowing them to vote in local elections. That happens in the state of California. I don't know if it's the whole state or just certain cities, but folks are allowed who are there illegally to vote in local elections. They cannot vote in the federal election, supposedly. Who knows? We can't ask questions about that unless it's a Republican that wins office in Iowa, and then suddenly everything is fair game as far as stealing an election is concerned because the Democrats want to benefit from that. But the Democrats are the ones that put these stupid policies in place. The Democrats are the ones that refuse to de- uh, defend or secure the border. The Democrats are the ones who want to eliminate ICE, institute sanctuary cities, basically make everyone who's here a citizen. Heck, if it was up to the Democrats, there would be completely open borders. Completely open borders. Anyway, it's Trump's fault, says Nancy Pelosi. Quick time out. Listening here to Conservative Not Bitter Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. program, by the way, brought to you in part by Greg Hubler Chevy. Greg Hubler Chevy in Camby. Just a short drive down Kentucky Avenue, State Road 67 from Indianapolis to the city of Camby, the, what is the town of Camby, I guess. Just down 67, Greg Hubler Chevrolet.com. Oh, Greg Hubler Chevy, excuse me.com. Greg Hubler Chevy. Greg's a great guy. Been a um, <clears throat> supporter, advertiser on this program now uh, for a couple of years. We're, ha- we're pleased to have him on, takes good care of his customers. Um, I've known some folks that have uh, that he's taken care of really well. Greg Hubler, Chevy.com, again, in Canby. So I want to, um, don't have a lot of time here, but I did want to mention this. This is something in the Epic Times that I think is worth um in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll post this later uh, later today. Headline here, I saw this over the weekend, virus tolls similar despite governor's contrasting actions. This is an article that compares and contrasts the response to COVID, response of Governor DeSantis of Florida and Governor Newsom in the People's Republic of California. And I'm going to read a part of this and I'll post the rest as Oz is telling me I don't have much time here. But Nearly a year after California Governor Gavin Newsom ordered the nation's first statewide shutdown because of the coronavirus, masks remain mandated, indoor dining and other activities are significantly limited, unless you're Gavin Newsom himself, and Disneyland remains closed. 
By contrast, Florida has no statewide restrictions. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis has prohibited municipalities from fining people who refuse to wear masks. And Disney World has been open since July. Despite their differing approaches, California and Florida have experienced almost identical outcomes in COVID-19 case rates. How have two states that took such divergent tax um, how did they arrive at similar points? So the article talks about that. And now that we're a year now, we're past that the year of the point in time when uh, life as we knew it changed. I think it was a March 13th or something when everything began to, to kind of shut down, beginning with you know things like the NBA, the NCAA tournament, different things like that. And before... Before long, we were, you know, locked in our homes, essentially, trying to understand what in the world was going on. People couldn't go to work. We had massive unemployment, and we had bailouts and stimulus, and there's still, those things are still trickling. And in fact, folks uh, received payments. Some folks received payments over the weekend from the latest round of um stimulus i guess this covid so-called covid relief bill that had all sorts of other things crammed into it but anyway i'm going to post this article on the website uh, and on social media later today i think it's worth looking at and considering especially this point in time but i'm going to take a break be back here in just a minute back and as we i guess go through this uh, kind of analysis of just what happened this past year with covid we also have to obviously look forward how are we going to respond here in the days and weeks to come in fact there's you know rumblings and mumblings about governor holcomb and mask mandates here i'm speaking to those who listen in the indiana audience which is where our radio home base is on freedom 95 but you know, you wherever you're listening, similar conversations have to be taking place as well. One of these mandates going to be lifted and so forth. I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. I'm not super optimistic that's going to happen anytime soon, but it needs to be something that's discussed. I've got to go. SDGC tomorrow. Take care. <laughs> 